On this episode of AvTalk, Jason reports from the Apex Expo in Long Beach. We chat with Seth Miller about the fate of the Bombardier C-Series in the U.S., and we swoop in to discuss Air France's newest creation, June. June is a state of mind. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of AvTalk, a bi-coastal episode with Jason in the sun and fun of Long Beach, California at the Apex Expo. So glad that you could take time from your, your, your busy schedule at the, the Expo to record. Where is the sun and, and fun you talk of? I'm in the, the basement of the Long Beach Convention Center where day and night seem to merge into one thing. Well, they'll let you out at some point. Maybe if it's just to go to the airport and go home. I don't know. Oh, I will be doing that on Friday. I get to fly out of Long Beach Airport, which is more of like, I don't know, a cool bar than it is an airport. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Long Beach is really, it's it's one of those airports where you're like, oh, oh right, there are planes here too. Well, you literally sit at a bar. There's like a fire pit and a restaurant, a glass wall, and there's an A320 about 20 feet away. Well, then, then there you go. So Apex Expo is, tell the folks at home what it is. So remember episode two, three, three, whatever. Three, I think. Three, whatever, when we were at AIX, or Craft Interior Expo in Hamburg. It's very much like that show, but this has less of a focus on seats and stuff like that than it does in-flight entertainment and connectivity, which is something I'm a bit more interested in. This year, it's also co-located with AIX America as a show really nobody went to in the past, which has some seating manufacturers, the little guys, and also IFSA, which is the in-flight services thing of America, where I basically walk around and try free samples of fancy cheeses and wine that airlines can serve on board, which is kind of fun. So it's, it's a Wi-Fi seating and restaurant show. Exactly. All kind of rolled into one. Yeah, I'm okay with it. It's a good combo. All right. So, I mean, and and so the difference, really, the main difference between, you know, Apex and AIX in in April is just the focus is more on technology at this particular show. Yeah, they they both blend into each other a bit, but AIX out in Hamburg is a lot bigger than Apex, but they're still both pretty fun shows. Well, and and we're looking forward to to hopefully some some good news coming out over the week, and and in the next episode, maybe we'll have a a bit of a recap of of what all came out of Apex, and we'll have a little bit more in conversation with with Seth Miller coming up after the break about what you guys have found so far, and and what we should expect in the in the next few years coming in onto and kind of I guess bolted onto the aircraft. So we'll talk with Seth in a little bit. But we had some, I hesitate to call it breaking news, but it kind of, I have no good transition for this. But <laughs> You tried. That, that was good I effort. tried. I tried. It, it's just, it's so ridiculous. WestJet, a few months ago, announced that they were launching an ultra low cost carrier. And then went silent. And today, a press release landed in my email box that introduced me to Swoop. Swoop. They're naming their ultra-low-cost carrier Swoop, and I don't know what to make of it. The press release says that they're naming it Swoop because they want to to bring power, and, and it's a good action verb, and that's what they're going to do. They're going to swoop into the market and, and things like that. And, and I, I read it without laughing, mostly. Yeah, I mean, 
it, it's pretty much what we thought. It's going to be WestJet, except they make you pay for all the things that you don't normally pay for. Seems like it's going to be just a regular, they're going to take one of the a pair of 737s that normally would have gone to just WestJet. They'll have streaming entertainment. They'll have the Wi-Fi that we're accustomed to on WestJet today, but it's going to be ultra, ultra low-cost carriers that are just low-cost carrier. So expect to pay for things like carry-on bag, check bag, food, drink, seat assignment, who knows, maybe even boarding pass. We'll see as more details happen. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to, to see kind of what exact, which model they go with. And we've talked about some of the ultra low cost carriers, you know, what, what their different models are. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how they, they work things out. And they're going to be based in Calgary. So that, that'll be another interesting kind of Look, the plan dynamic. seems to be more well-formulated and less laughable than our French counterpart. Which came out with some good visuals this week, and I'm looking forward <sighs> to June. Uh, deep, deep sigh. So explain. June is explain a rooftop me. bar. June is an entertainment channel. June is a what are the other nonsensical things are saying June is? Oh, I I, I don't oh, even personal know. assistant. That's right. So June is a personal assistant. The idea is that Air oh, France it's also a fashion designer. Oh, okay, good. That's yeah. very good. Yeah. That's important. Air France got together and, and the best minds at Air France sat down and came up. And and said we we don't need to offer you know a, a differentiated product based on service or or price or the route network or or whatever. What we need is an airline that caters to millennials, and no, it'll be we don't we don't. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying what Air France came up with, and so yeah, I I hesitate to to say that. This is a a well thought out idea or a well formed idea, but it, they have seemingly fleshed it out quite a bit. Whether or not that's a good thing, will will leave to a, a separate question. But it's not is this no. going to go anywhere? I mean, the airplanes will presumably go somewhere. But I I can't imagine. And 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 speaking as someone who has been tagged as a millennial, I guess. I can't imagine myself thinking, you know what, I'm going to book a ticket, not because it takes me where I want to go, but because it's a fashion designer, and I want to fly a fashion designer. I want to fly a personal assistant at a rooftop bar that's entertaining. No, all this marketing, I don't want to bump our rating up on iTunes, but it's hogwash, or what? what what's the most crude word we could say without getting the explicit tag? Hornswoggle? Hornswoggle. No, I don't, I don't. I don't like that. It's nonsense. It's BS. It's it's marketing nonsense. It is simply Air France's low cost carrier flying between. Did, did we say the cities already? No, we didn't. So, but it, to Barcelona, Berlin, Lisbon, and Porto. So I don't know. A couple of those cities. Tap Portugal's gonna be pretty pissed off. Eventually, next year in summer twenty eighteen, Brazil and the Seychelles. So that'll be interesting, but people are going to fly it because it's low cost. I, I saw, we're talking to Seth Miller in a bit, and I saw him on Google Flights checking out some of these routes that 
comparing the, the cost of the flight today as opposed to when June kicks in, and they're substantially cheaper. I don't care that it's some marketing nonsense to millennials. People just care about the price. And in this instance, it, the experience might actually match or exceed what Air France offers today because there will be streaming entertainment. Air France doesn't have that. There will be USB ports to charge your phone. Air France, for the most part, doesn't have that. If they could get, just cut through the crap and tell you exactly what you're going to get, maybe it's a good idea. But, so, I mean, they could really make this an even lower cost airline if they just left all this marketing right. shenanigans. If they just got rid of the marketing firm that came up with this nonsense and, I don't know, invested it in a better seat. I don't know. Maybe it'd be better. But I did read a review of the marketing campaign from Adweek today who, who kind of praised it. And I, I, I want to know what kind of crack they're smoking because they're the first people I've heard compliment this crackpot idea so far. Yeah, I, I just it it doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, the, the idea of of marketing to to a segment that, I mean, say it is price conscious. You're trying to make a low cost carrier this weird, sexy amalgamation of we're cheaper, but we're not low cost. I I just don't understand it. Yeah, I don't really understand it. The food served on board, twenty percent of it is going to be organic. They will give you some free drinks, water, orange juice, organic, can for pronounced coffee and tea. I don't know what brand it is. The entertainment is going to be sponsored by Red Bull because, of course, it is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it anymore. It makes me mad. It, <laughs> so, it makes whatever WestJet is doing seem completely rational and sane. Well, yeah, I mean, it's June versus Swoop for the... I guess the the best idea of a low-cost carrier. But we'll leave it at that. We'll take a quick break. We'll bring in Seth, and we'll talk a little bit more about what you guys have been up to at Apex and a fun trip that you both have coming up in about a month's time. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after a break. And as promised, we are back with Seth Miller, aviation journalist, aerophile, and writer at Wandering Airman. You can find him on Twitter at Wander, W-A-N-D-R-M-E. Seth, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me and for you know dealing with the fact that I misspell most things. <laughs> That's quite all right. It's Twitter, so it's, you know, you just take away the vols and everything's fine. So you guys are out in California enjoying the weather enjoying the sun, but also enjoying the Apex Expo. Yeah, well, not, uh, for not those as much that don't sun, know, can you... There is a basement of a convention center with no cell signal. So you're enjoying a lot of fluorescent lighting. Oh, the best. Some LED products. a lot of LEDs. See, this is an aviation conference, and they do things like show off their newest toys. Jason and I, randomly walking the floor earlier today, borderline blinded half the crowd as we had <laughs> a LED landing gear light. That the guy pulled out, I was like, oh yeah, let me show you how it works, and like plugged it in and turned it on and pointed it down the aisle way, and many people were affected. What, what's the company number? I think it was IFE Technologies. IFE Technologies, I think we're butchering that, but they literally just had a whole bunch of IF LED based things like PSU lights, the little weeding lights, cargo belly lights, and landing lights, and we looked at it and said, ooh, this is fancy, and the guy said, let me plug this in and show you what it could do, and it was like throwing up the bat signal. 
Did it actually have the bat signal? It, no. it had a crosshairs in it. It did. It did have a like a pattern drawn in it. It unfortunately was neither a bat nor their company logo, which if oh, I was doing the marketing, that's what I would have gone with. A much needed improvement for next year. Yeah, maybe I'll go back and mention that. If he did that, we can put him on the cover of the magazine that we don't really publish. <laughs> he was really excited to talk to the media because we had our badges say press. And it's like, so does this get me on the cover of the magazine? And was really unhappy when I explained to him that we don't do that part. The internet doesn't have a cover. Oh, the company named IFE, IFE Products. products. Yeah. That IFE was, Products. So, cool. But the, the expo this year, at least day one of the show being open, has been pretty low-key. There hasn't been all that much announced. A lot of, we're going to make lots of money in 2028, maybe, hopefully. Yeah, there's a couple small orders. Philippines Airlines signed on to upgrade their Wi-Fi in flight on half their fleet, maybe. Yeah, give or take. Give or take. Singapore Airlines confirmed that they have upgraded Wi-Fi on one plane. I don't think they wanted to confirm that so much as we made them do it. Well, you know, that's what we're all about. You know, so a lot of little things like that. GoGo announced uh, okay. that they... This, this is our segue. This is where things get a little interesting. GoGo announced that they have a new in-seat entertainment product. So In-seat with an asterisk. Yeah, so they they want to basically, instead of putting custom display screens that all the current in-seat entertainment providers use, they want to use tablets. Right, the in-seat stuff is expensive. You have to physically put it in the seat, get it tested, so when if the aircraft breaks hard and your head hits it, it doesn't shatter your face and the screen. It needs power, it needs connectivity, it needs maintenance for 30 years. So GoGo and... This is not something that hasn't been done before, but GoGo and Delta were going to work together to basically mount a tablet into the uh, consumer-grade, what was it, Toshiba tablet? Yeah. Into the... uh, seat in front of you, specifically for the Bombardier C-Series on Delta. And lo and behold, we got some news today about the Bombardier C-Series, which isn't looking good. Well, certainly not for Delta. The U.S. International Trade Commission decided that Boeing's claim of price dumping and illegal subsidies from the Quebecois government, uh, which owns nearly half of Bombardier, was justified. And so Boeing won the lawsuit, and the ITC came back with a 220% tariff. 219.63 for those keeping tabs at home. I mean, every penny counts, but I figured rounding was yeah. worthwhile. And the odd that thing is little, Boeing, little had extra. Only, Boeing had only asked for $160 million per aircraft, and the ITC, percent. Uh, percent, and ITC kind of blew that away, and no one really knows why yet. The thing that that really kind of puts this... There's going to be a long appeals process to all of this. And so what that number ends up being, if they stick and all that, this is one of those things that is just getting started. Yeah, but presumably Delta has to, like, put the money in escrow, right, just in case? You know what? That I don't know. Maybe. Or they just say, forget it. Forget it. We're done. We don't want it. We're going to wait until the the other thing. who is ready or... want this to be the case, or screw it, we'll buy some 73700s or 73700s. I can't imagine Delta comes out of this and says, like, okay, haha, you guys win, we'll buy some airplanes. Like, if you're Delta, why would you reward Boeing at this point? You would want to, but what's your option at that point? 
I mean, I, I like your idea of can you have a leasing company offshore buy the aircraft and then lease them back from the leasing company? We don't know. Someone seems to say no, but that's on Twitter. So I was trying to understand this and try and stay on top of it all this afternoon. I mean, this news broke literally a few hours ago, but there there was some talk of setting up a U.S.-based company that would pay the tariff and then deliver the plane to Delta so that Delta wasn't technically paying the tariff, but that seemed to be questionable. The legality of that seemed to be so questionable. Well, that point, say at that point, who cares? I mean, is that so Delta like records it on the books differently? Because no one's going to – like I would never set up a company to spend $40 million on airplanes I don't get to own. Right. You're, you're spending that no, money. No, no, no. So Bombardier would set up a U.S.-based company. Oh, and somehow pay like, the tariff pay it, on the importation itself and then pay the money back to itself. I just Basically, saw a, yes. a couple minutes ago that said Bombardier would not be funding the tariffs to import the aircraft. But everything is super, Everything's super so early right now. Nobody knows what's going on except for I'm going to be extremely pissed off if Delta doesn't get the C-Series because it's by far the most comfortable narrow-body aircraft probably ever produced. Yeah, I'm with you on that, on the pissed off this. I like the fuselage diameter and comfort generally on the, the Embraer 190s also. Yeah. But because this is five abreast instead of four, that adds middle seats, but it also makes it a little shorter. Right. Total row length. And the E90 feels a little long sometimes. So that's a, a little trade-off. But in the middle seat is 19 inches wide. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's a comfortable airplane to sit on. It's got full-size overhead bins for the most part. Like, it's just, it's really a really, really, really nice plane. Yeah, it's gonna be very. Yeah, upset. I mean, and and we've we've talked about how Jason, you when is it when we were at AIX, you talked about being yeah. on the plane and, and enjoying it, and and so you know what this does to to Delta's order, which I think was for as many as 125. I forget yeah, what the the 75 firm versus firm and 50 options. So yeah, I mean that that's a lot of money, no matter how much they were paying for them. Yeah, the, the and, really and interesting that's also thing. A lot of, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying it's it's a lot of planes to fill. I mean, it, you know, 125 planes or you know, 75 firm. I mean, that's that's a lot of planes to fill and and to figure out what to do with yeah. Who with, who else know, is going to be able to ramp up deliveries and make it happen? And now you know, Delta still needs it starting you know in January or February. Like, who can produce those planes and have them available? But what what I was going to say is the interesting thing to me about the 220 percent tariff is. If you look at the list price is right around 70 million, maybe 72, Delta claims the price tag, or excuse me, Boeing claims that Delta paid 20 million. Delta says that number is wrong and low and actually filed in the court case. They filed the real numbers, but that number is sealed. But if you take the 20 to 25 million range and add 220% to that, you actually end up with a number that, that's Probably higher than list price, which That's is crazy. ridiculous yeah. just on on spec for anything. And then you take into account that airlines, especially when you order seventy five to one hundred airplanes, usually get forty to fifty percent off. Yeah, and if no you're the launch customer, price. you get an even better discount because that's typical in the industry. So part of what's like really strange to me about this battle is Boeing essentially going and I mean like, no list price, man. That's like that's what matters. Knowing full well that it has also given significant discounts basically forever 
on well, all well, of its products yeah, as well. The, the very aircraft Boeing wants to compete with the C-Series, the 700, they practically gave those away to United in a recent order. I mean, we don't know what they paid for it, but United was pretty much saying they got a ridiculous deal on them. Yeah, well below production. Well, is it below production cost or below list price? And that's right. That's part of the challenge of like, how do you define what production cost of, a, of an airplane is, especially so early in the manufacturing process right. where you don't really know what all the efficiencies are going to be and you don't really know what the numbers are going to play out as. Even Boeing has spent a lot of time trying to figure out what the sort of per aircraft cost of a 787 is and the number keeps shifting each time they sort of change production right. rates and all those things. And this was just filed by Reuters that Delta says they're confident that the tariff will be rejected at a later stage, the duty subject to final ruling by the ITC later in 2018. But the first aircraft was supposed to be delivered in January of 2018. So this order is in real doubt right now, which yeah. sucks. Yeah, I mean, was it JetBlue came out earlier in the week and said, you know, don't put the tariff on it. And that was kind of interesting to me because they didn't really have a horse in the race except in the future. Sure. And, they, well, JetBlue is in the midst. They, they don't have a direct horse right now, but they definitely are amidst a fleet review and have been known historically to be somewhat unhappy with maintenance challenges that the Embraer fleet it, that they operate has had. So... If you're JetBlue and you've got this fleet of 100-seat aircraft and you're looking for something to replace them with and you don't really want to go Embraer anymore, your option is the C-Series. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have to move up to 150-seat, which is now 162-seat A320s. Yeah. Or the 737. I mean, there's no... It would be shocking if they added 737s in, but... Not going to happen. You end up with a 737 Max 7, which is 148 seats. And probably more than that if you go single cabin. Right. Or maybe 148 I mean, single cabin, whatever. I mean, it, if I'm Boeing, is, is this just one long push to get Bombardier out and maybe breathe some life into the Max 7? Yes, and I have no idea. This move <laughs> definitely stinks to me of let's put Bombardier out of business, even if it means pushing competition to Embraer. Because, right, it's easier to compete with just Embraer than with Embraer and Bombardier. Arguably have to complete with like MRJ and some other people too, but none of them MRJ really. MRJ competes with MRJ at this point. And it does so badly. They barely have, yeah, so like, it makes sense from a business perspective to put a competitor out of business if you can. But the other challenges that come with it, right, is Boeing gonna lose the $5 billion Canadian Air Force jet deal? They already did, I think. Well, he's, the, it's on it's hold, on hold. Officially. And it has been since this whole thing started and Trudeau came out pretty aggressive saying we're not going to buy from a vendor who bullies us. You know, there's potential challenges with relations in Britain because the wings for the Bombardiers are made in Northern Ireland and killing this order kills jobs there. So there's a lot of different, you know, geopolitics that go into this. Also, it's going to hurt American companies because a whole bunch of components, the avionics stuff is made in the United States. Like all the different suppliers are all over the world. And so for Boeing to claim that this is a terrible affront only to the United States when it's a global, all of the air framers use these global supply chains, Boeing included, that like manufactures a bunch of their stuff outside the U.S. too, it's a weird, weird world that we're dealing with here. Yeah. There's some very happy people in Seattle, Chicago, and I guess Brazil, some very unhappy people in Montreal right now. 
or Atlanta. Yeah. Because I'm happy people in Atlanta, too. Yeah. But you guys are going to be happy, well, in a little over a month's time. You'll be on a pretty special flight. Yeah. So just this past week, United has formally announced the plans for its final 747 flights. And I know that's kind of... I'll still believe it when they put it up on blocks and take the engines off. Yeah, it's... But go ahead. It's melodramatic. Some people love that aircraft because it's a 747. Some people hate it because it's a United 747 and it hasn't been updated in God knows how long. Hey, they finally put power plugs in, Coach. Yay! Just in time to scrap the aircraft. But this is just another nail in the coffin of the 747, which has seen a slew of retirements this year. Yeah, the the past couple of years have not been kind to the type, just in terms of the Dash 8 hasn't really picked up many orders as a passenger jet. The last one has been delivered. Yeah, the last that, they basically agreed that that line is closed for passenger planes. And then, you know, the, the 400s are getting old enough, and four-engine planes are more expensive to operate, and there's all these other challenges that Delta and United are both retiring them. Delta did its final domestic flight, Earlier this year, and then had to press them back into service to evacuate people from Orlando. Orlando. And, yeah. you know, United is similarly running its final international services end October 29th when the IATA schedule shifts. Yeah, last flight is out Seoul. of uh, Seoul. Yeah, Seoul back to San Francisco, and a bunch have already been retired this year. And then that November 7th flight on a random Tuesday, yep. United added an extra flight from San Francisco to Honolulu, and it's Designed to celebrate the history. That was the first route that United's first 747 operated on. So they're, and they're going to do a sort of throwback kind of service with a big party on board. And yeah, they sold, we're going to be there. They sold a limited number of economy seats. They didn't sell middle seats. Presumably that's where members of the media like Seth and I will end up. They didn't sell any of the upper deck business class seats because they're going to leave those open so people could come upstairs to the upper deck and reminisce, I guess, hang around. It almost would be more cool if they took some of the seats out and yeah. put, like, a bar back Piano in. Piano bar. But I, I imagine there's some <laughs> FAA certification challenges yeah. with making that change. That might take a while. Uh, we should going to wait 30 days, guys, and then it'll be fine. So we're, yeah. we're both going to be on that. Maybe we'll do another guest episode from out there on board the 7-4. But my question there you is, go. what are they going to do with the plane once it gets to Hawaii? No one has answered that That was my question, yet. too. I suggested a Viking funeral, roll it into the Pacific, set it on fire, and just let it gracefully swim out to its final resting place. But they're probably I not. I mean, there there are a number of volcanoes in Hawaii that, that would, Ooh. I think, be a fitting end for the aircraft. Like ritual sacrifice? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Well, it's definitely not a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> Is that inappropriate? Fair uh, enough. Nope. Have I just changed the rating? MPAA rating of our show. No, I, I, think, I, think, I think we'll be okay. Okay. Been around a little while, is all I'm saying. Yeah, people, there are going to be lots of people that are not sad to see it go, because what aircraft replaces the 744 in United's fleet? It's the 78? No, the 777W. The uh, 300. Yeah. So that's actually, from a sort of passenger comfort perspective, it's a tough call. In business class, yeah. you get the new Polaris upgrade. Huge upgrade in business great. class. For economy class, it's 10 abreast, both on the 747 and the 777-300, but the 747 is a wider fuselage. Also Fairly, but... No entertainment screen, Wi-Fi that didn't really work, power outlets were installed like last week. Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but it's, you know, it's a mixed bag. Yeah. And 
to be fair, I say the seats are a little narrower on the triple seven. It's only a little bit. The seven four seven didn't have was not notorious for especially especially wide seats anyways. No, it's not the not a huge downgrade, so. but the the pluses outweigh the minuses, I think. But a lot of people are going to be sad to see four engines drop to two. And that seems irrational to me. I honestly, <laughs> I mean, I I like the seven four. I like it. It's iconic. Yeah, but it's it's time to go. And like engines well, are cool, they make planes go, but as long as there's enough for the plane to move, I don't right. second guess the manufacturer on how many it really needs. Oh, I, I see what you're saying, where you know, people are upset that there are not four engines on a plane anymore. No, yeah, that part seems irrational to me. The the kind of nostalgia for the seven four seven, I get. That part I get. You know, for, for a lot of people that you know, it's it's the plane that it was their first long haul flight, it's one that they've flown the most. You know, so yeah. whether or not it's the most comfortable now, you know, it, it, it always holds that, you know, that the 747 is always going to hold that special kind of crowning place in, you know, aviation nostalgia. Absolutely. And, and I think at this point, yeah, you know, I'll that, buy that. that's kind of where it belongs. <laughs> but it, in nostalgia, in history? Yes. It's, it's yes. also not going anywhere. It'll be doing cargo flights for decades to come. Yeah, that's... Much harder to get a seat on one of those. Right? If you're just hanging out at the airport watching planes come and go, you will still continue to see it. If you fly British Airways, you can continue <laughs> to fly on, on it. The They've got a few years left, including switching their London to Austin route this coming summer. is actually going to be a 744. Yeah. Serious upgauge. A new option for some U.S. passengers Virgin to get on Atlantic is sending their 74s back to New York JFK from Manchester after withdrawing them a year or two ago. So they, they come back. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean it's but they're not they going are anywhere for a while, but they're they're slowly slowly going away. Yeah. Speaking of things that are not slowly going away but are very quickly going away, it's our uh, seemingly bi-weekly Air Berlin update. Oh, I forgot about yeah, that. Jason and I were just staring at each other. What the hell is he talking about? Yeah, the 330s <laughs> all went into storage today, right? Or almost all, not all. Uh, almost all of them. Yeah, almost almost all of them. Yeah, there are now a, a um, ton. Cool images on the site of oh, like a, a convoy of A330s heading out into storage, just like the old Transaero days. Yeah, yeah. We we pulled some old images of the Malev convoy in 2011. And then the, the Transaero convoy from 2015. Nice. So just uh, this past old, weekend, uh, we were out at LAX for Cranky Flyers, Cranky Dork Spotting. Dorkfest. Dorkfest, that's it. So we were there. We had about 150, maybe 200 people out at LAX spotting aircraft all day by the in and out. And one of the Air Berlin A3s or Two of them came in. We got another two, one later in the afternoon. Yeah, that's right. Two A330s from Air Berlin came out, and we were all joking on, ha, 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 there's more people on the ground taking pictures of this Air Berlin A330 than are probably on the A330. And we actually saw the second to last day that Air Berlin would ever serve LAX. The very next day was their last flight. They withdrew from LAX entirely. Yeah, so they're, they're winding down their entire long-haul operation by the 15th of October. Correct. Which, I mean, it most is, of is the, pretty amazing to me. Yeah, most of the Berlin flights were dying sort of this week anyways. And then the Dusseldorf now has the firm drawdown date of, you know, dwindling yeah. as we approach the 15th. It's not all hard stop then. It's going to sort of slowly cut over time. But. So my continuing recommendation has been for the last, what, three updates of Air Berlin is do not book yeah. Air Berlin. If you have an Air Berlin flight booked, what is wrong with you? Find a new plan 
And if you really love Air Berlin and want to fly them one more time, you have until October 15th. Long haul. Short haul may or may not last longer than that. The sort of bankruptcy selling off of all the components is believed to be now mostly EasyJet and Lufthansa, but final bids and approvals and things like that are going to take till mid-October as well. So we don't know exactly... Both What's the, going where and when? I think the Lufthansa group approved internally to acquire 60 of the A320s for Eurowings and even some of the Dash 8s. That, yeah, some of the props. That Air Berlin operates. So we're going to have Eurowings Dash huh. 8s. That's not Potentially, expected. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'm still trying to figure out what EasyJet's going to get out of this. Just different 320s? Because there's no way they're taking the 330s, right? No. That would be an interesting I, Yeah, I, I can't see the 330s happening. The 320s may, and, you know, some of the... The route network. I mean, you you pick up people that are already on the ground and in, in the route network. Yeah, but I mean, there hasn't unless you're going for some of the long haul stuff where apparently Tegel was somewhat limited in terms of who could fly where and when. There's not a lot of like slot controls or other limits on most of the places Air Berlin flew. So yeah. you're not picking up like slots at Heathrow, right? You're not picking up these super valuable things. You're picking up. A bunch of used A320s with 250 seats inside. It's disappointing. I mean, the long haul side is disappointing because they were actually quite nice, these 330s. They had a solid business class product. The economy was good. They even had Wi-Fi installed. Yeah. And now they're going to either rot away in storage or some airline that, quite honestly, probably doesn't deserve the aircraft is going to end up with them. But. Well, I mean, they, they were all leased. So, I mean, hopefully they'll they'll get back onto the market as quickly as they can. Sure. And there's... You know, does Air France want to accelerate? I guess June. No, June was only three thirty, three forties, and three fifties, though. Um, you know, does your wings come back and grab some three thirties sooner than not and expand there? Are some of the other IAG level they could go there? Excel Airways. Oh, Excel Airways was at a press conference with their CEO a couple weeks ago now, and he was talking all sorts of things. And one of them was, he actually, what he wants to do is 321 Neos to expand secondary markets out of New York, out of France into New York City. Right. But he also was talking about Asia and overflying the Middle East as a low cost carrier, sort of joining Norwegian in that play. But the XL Airways approach is a 400 seat A330 300 configuration. Ugh. Ten, not nine abreast and all coach. That's- it's, Disgusting. It's a lot of seats that, on board, but it that gets sounds rough. Set. That would be one uncomfortable, hellish flight. So. Which I expect to see you on as soon as they happen. Absolutely not. <laughs> if that's our takeaway from the airline passenger experience conference, something has gone horribly wrong. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you guys get back to the conference, and hopefully, there's some some more news and good news that isn't eclipsed by legal rulings or you know anything like that nobody puts wi-fi in a plane and then the planes you know have to not get sold or something like that so hopefully it all works out there seth i want to thank you for joining us it was great talking to you and really appreciate you coming on the program thanks so much for having me have a great day thanks seth let's go get a drink hear me (laughs) bye guys
You know, it's always good to pick Seth's brain because I he often thinks in, in a bit of a different direction than I think a lot of other people do. And it's always good to, to get his perspective. And I'm pretty jealous of you guys getting to head out to Hawaii on the last United 747. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing a lot more about that when the time comes. Yeah, I may only be staying in Hawaii for about two hours and 10 minutes, but I'm super looking forward to it. We discussed your particular travel arrangements and, and I, I didn't know what you had settled on. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to bring it up in case it would provoke some sort of anxiety attack. Yeah, it's going to get there. I'm going to end up going back into work straight after the red eye flight from Hawaii and it's going to be miserable, but totally worth it. <laughs> and I really want to know what they're going to do with that plane. It, it's bothering me that they haven't I said. I don't know, but what I kind of want to stick around and find out. Uh, well, hopefully we'll we'll find out not long after the flight lands or or perhaps even before. But, you know, we'll we'll get there when we get there. Some late breaking news today, the Comac C919 flew again Hooray! finally after sitting on the ground for 5 months. The word that has come out is that they were reworking a lot of the systems, and I'm not sure if they did any actual work on the aircraft itself like physical work on the aircraft itself. But I know they've been reworking some of the systems, getting it ready to, to perform again. And it spent two, almost three hours in the air this morning in, in Shanghai. So that's, that's good. good news for, for that program as it, as it kind of moves forward. I can't imagine the tariff the ITC might impose on that particular aircraft in the U.S. So Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah that, that'll be something. Well, because it hasn't had any help from the, from the Chinese government. So Oh, I'm sure not at all. No. And then in, in Japan, we just got news that the MRJ program is, I guess, I don't know if you could call this another roadblock, but they're doing yet another organizational mix-up. So presumably yet another group of people will be leading that program. They're bringing in the, the people from the less heavy equipment into the more yeah. heavy equipment yeah. unit, as, as far as I know. Who knows if that thing is ever going to go into commercial service at this point. It has to get there, eventually. Eventually, I mean, you know. but... Every press release I get from MRJ, I just assume it's another two-year delay at this point. That's fair. But they, didn't they also say this week they were going to finally perhaps start production on the on the 70? So, you know, maybe maybe that was a little bit of a wishful thinking. But who knows? We'll, we'll see. Because we talked so long with Seth, we're going to cut this a little short so that we can get back, you can get back to Apex Expo and all that's going on there. But the one thing that I did want to bring up was a little bit of reader feedback before we go. And one of the things that, that people have mentioned is that we talked about the Avro and, and you're going to be flying on one soon. Hooray! And we may have mentioned that you were going to be on one of the last ones. And as it turns out, that that was a lie. There are a lot of Avros still out there. I mean, not as many as there once was, but one of the, the big operators is BRA in Sweden, and they operate into the downtown airport in, in Stockholm. So you can actually basically go into the center of the city and watch these things land. So next time I'm there, I'm definitely going to take advantage of that. Do we have any idea how many they have left flying? Is it like one? They have, I believe it's 10 left in their fleet. Okay. So. And, and they're still, you know, they're continuing to operate them because they, they do a good job at, at what they need them to do. Fair enough. So you're not quite on the last one. They're on their way out, but they're sticking around for, for quite some time. Well, they've been gone from the North American skies for quite a while. That much I do know. This is true. This is true. But they, we, we actually got a few write-ins. So people people appear to really love the mini jumbo. 
Okay, well now I'm looking at Wikipedia, which as we all know is the most accurate source of information. CityJet Mahan Air Cobam Aviation Services in Australia, the one we just talked about, what were they, BRA, BRA, Airlink, ASL, Airlines Spain, and Star Peru. So there aren't that many airlines out there in, in the world still flying the thing. They're kind of very small airlines. It's, but it's, it's, a, niche, it's a niche operation. At best, yeah. Fair enough. But we, we got more than, more than one write-in. So that was people really care about this. So we, well, I wanted to, aircraft. to I'm make, sure people, make that note. People like their funky aircraft, and that's why I'm going out of my way to fly one. There you go. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. And thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule at the Expo to put the podcast together this week. Our thanks again to, to Seth Miller for joining us. And we will see you next time for episode 16. I'm going to go to bed now. <laughs> Good plan. <laughs> <laughs>